Welcome to the Loud of the Silence podcast with your host, C.G. Wagner. This month's episode is Stop Having Goals. A few years ago, I decided to embark on the 100 Book Challenge, a challenge to read 100 books in a year. Yep, I willingly signed myself up to read a book every 3.65 days for a year. A friend told me about some reading challenges that she had done, and it sounded like fun. I do enjoy pushing myself and trying new things, and I love reading, so it seemed like an easy win. I read anything and everything that year, fiction and nonfiction, memoirs, business advice, discussions on faith, sociology discourses, historical fiction, mysteries, classics, bestsellers, books that had been recommended to me that had been on my list for years that I had never gotten to. I started a spreadsheet to keep track of what I was reading, and part of that was rating the books I read on a 1 to 10 scale. So what ended up being the biggest takeaway for me from this 100 book challenge? Well, I found some authors that I truly love ones that are now some of my favorites. I started a system for keeping track of the books I read so I can better reference in the future the ones that are applicable to something at hand or so I can give recommendations to my fellow readers. Yes, I know there are apps for this, but hey, I'm old school. By the end of the year, the ratings made something glaringly obvious to me. Many of the books on my list, I only read to achieve my goal. I didn't like them all that much. They weren't ones I would recommend to others to read. I simply read them because they were available, and I didn't want to waste time finding books during this challenge. I didn't have the capacity for taking an extended period of time to find new books to read. But really, what stands out to me the most after reading 100 books in a year is how entirely pointless the exercise was. The only reason I did it was to say I did it. I spent many hours reading books that weren't entertaining or informative. It was me simply trying to get through the words on the page. Was it 100% a wash? No, there were positives to having done it. But would I do it again? No, absolutely not. And when was the last time you decided to set a goal for the sake of doing it? Or because you were pressured into it? Or maybe because you shoulded yourself into believing it was the right thing? In the end, were you glad you did it? For most of us, when we set lofty goals, it doesn't achieve what we were actually hoping for. And this is episode 5 in our Understanding LTS workshop series. Each month, we are going through the topics that we discuss in our workshop sessions as a way to help supporters understand our experiences and for survivors of sexual violence to feel heard. In past episodes, we've looked at our patterns, the perfectionism and shame cycles, and what mechanisms we use to cope. This month, we are basing our discussion off the workshop session called Healthy Habits. 
first, we are going to untangle the difference between setting goals and instituting healthy habits. Beginning with why survivors tend to want to set goals, regardless of if they are attainable or not, and the pitfalls of setting goals for ourselves. We'll compare this to how we discuss taking steps forward in our workshops and what it looks like to set healthy habits and move toward the life we want. We touched on some of these ideas in previous podcast episodes, but today we're going to take a really deep dive. So let's start by exploring why survivors want to set goals to begin with instead of approaching healing from the perspective of incorporating healthy habits into their lives. The first part of it touches on what we discussed in episode three of this series. That's just perfect. Survivors tend to skew towards perfectionism and setting goals and achieving them feeds into this cycle. Survivors use goals as a way to determine if they are quote, right or good or acceptable as internalized metrics from the abuse in their lives. If they dealt with long-term abuse in conjunction with our sexual violence, and many do, they learn how to revolve their existence around being able to perform in order to prevent more harm. Even after the abuse is over, this message sticks, and survivors fall into the patterns of assuming safety if they can continue to keep up the pace of keeping everything together all the time. Once these messages are internalized, the survivor's window of tolerance is very small, so it's easier to latch on to tangible metrics instead of sitting in the discomfort of nuance. The window of tolerance is a concept that a person who has coped with significant trauma does not have the emotional or psychological space to allow for the ups and downs of life. This is the basis of the reactivity that survivors often deal with, which leads to survivors having all sorts of accusations levied against them about how they overreact or just need to move on with their lives or are only focused on the negative. Until they reach a certain level of healing, they're fully in survival mode, a space that doesn't allow for much wiggle room. Simply put, their window of tolerance is more narrow due to their life experiences. And when living in this mental space, setting goals is easier than thinking about what they actually want and then how to incorporate what they want into their lives. For a person who is still deep in the aftermath of sexual violence, Thinking about what they want ranges from nonsensical to painful. It's not an enjoyable exercise, and at best it feels pointless. Again, how can a person think about what she wants when her brain is in the reactive state of fight, flight, freeze, or fawn? What's the big deal, you might ask? Aren't goals a good thing? Doesn't it help a person move forward and get healing? Are there people who have used goal setting as a way to move forward in their healing? Yes, of course. I'm sure of it. What I'm saying is that as a mindset, it's not one that is likely to best serve survivors in their early or even middle phases of recovering themselves after sexual violence. And the concept of early or middle phases is completely relative to the survivor. It could be two months or two years or two decades, depending on the person, the extent of the trauma, and what they have done to move forward. But setting goals, especially when it comes to healing and recovery from sexual violence, does the survivor a disservice as she tries to regain footing. 
As I hinted at earlier, setting goals is performative. It's not about creating long-term lasting change. It's results-oriented. In healing, it's vital to prioritize inputs over outcomes, as I discussed in the April 2023 newsletter. We can control inputs. We can never control the outcomes. Putting ourselves in a position where we base our feelings of safety or our value or anything else based off of outcomes is sure to set us up for heartbreak. Inevitably, a survivor isn't going to be able to achieve all her goals, primarily because often those goals are not realistic or healthy. For instance, there's the example of the 100 book challenge. Goals like this are used as a distraction, not as a way to improve one's life. Even if a person is able to achieve their stated, albeit unrealistic, goals, they are absolutely sacrificing something important to get there. But when a person doesn't achieve their goals, it sets off the feelings of unsafety, doubt, and like they're a failure. This bubbles up all sorts of patterns, often causing overwhelm and a temporary shrinking in the window of tolerance as they work through these new hurdles. Goals don't allow for the fluctuations that naturally come with life. So then, what does it look like to help promote healing with survivors if goal setting isn't the best approach? I'm glad you asked. At Louder Than Silence, we talk about eight areas of health and how to start healthy habits. We look at the common areas of health that are impacted by sexual violence. Some might surprise you, others probably not. But we look at how we've been impacted emotionally, physically, psychologically, spiritually, relationally, intellectually, financially, and sexually. We take time to chat through common ways survivors are impacted in these areas as a way to bring awareness to what might have passed our understanding. From there, we pick one area of health we want to focus on. For the sake of this podcast, we're going to say that I decide to focus on the area of emotional health. And then we encourage the person to choose one specific, doable step to help her progress that area of health. So let's say I pick journaling twice a day about what I am feeling. Remember though, this is set up as a healthy habit, not as a goal. The goal is not to journal twice a day. No one gets gold stars if they do their new healthy habit every day. It's set up to be a new pattern in the person's life, a next step to the path of healing. It's built on a foundation of recognizing what we want for ourselves and assessing how this healthy habit is connected to it. Journaling twice a day is not for the sake of saying I did it. It's so that I can more easily identify and express what I'm feeling. This will minimize feeling overwhelmed and disconnected as I am purposely taking the time to check in with myself. Once we set and share our new healthy habits, we check in every week for the following seven weeks of the workshop to see how we're doing with them. We chat through how they are working for us, 
what it's been like to incorporate them, if we need to make changes for ourselves to make these new healthy habits stick better. It's gentle accountability to hold on to what we say we want for ourselves. Maybe journaling twice a day is too cumbersome, so I decide to cut it back to once a day. Guess what? It's still pointing me in the direction I want to go without feeling like another impossible task on my list. Sounds like a win to me. And as you think about setting healthy habits for yourself, remember that the focus here is what you can do as an input, not focus on what the outcome is. It's checking in with what you want for yourself over and over again and figuring out the healthy habits that leads in the direction of that destination. You can never control the outcome. You can only control the energy you put into the process. Part of this is ensuring the changes are easily incorporated into your life so that you are creating patterns and rhythms that are sustainable. This is how the window of tolerance is expanded. It's in the consistency of taking small steps frequently that we actually move ourselves in the direction we intend to go. It's a marathon, not a sprint. As you move forward in this journey, you'll find there are some areas that you are naturally gifted in and come more easily to you. Taking the next steps in those areas won't feel as much of a burden. But other areas will often feel rudimentary or very difficult at times. Often we are learning to incorporate healthy habits that we wish we had learned as children. It doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with you. It means that you've experienced a wound and it takes time to heal. You'll take these steps and find the focus changes over time as your window of tolerance expands. What was once out of reach now becomes the next step in the journey. The beauty of life is that we get to participate in the flow, learn how to keep looking inward to see what we want and make decisions from there. The joy of approaching life this way is that it is flexible. There's no quote right or wrong. There's no quote failing at a goal. It's simply seeing what's in front of you and deciding how you want to start being healthy right now. Eventually, that will become a pattern you no longer have to think about. It will come as second nature, and so you add something else, and then that becomes a new pattern, and on and on it goes. I'm going to put it to you another way. Let's use the analogy of your house being on fire for experiencing sexual violence. You have to do what you can to escape. You no longer have a place to feel safe and at peace. What you once had readily available to you is lost or significantly damaged. It's devastating. If you set a goal for yourself, it might be to have your house rebuilt in six months and move back in after seven. But what happens if there's a construction delay and it takes 10 months? How do you deal with that setback? How do you cope when you so desperately want life to be normal again, but you can't do anything about it. On the other hand, setting a healthy habit looks like saying, there are hundreds of small steps to take to get this place livable again. I'm going to commit to doing one thing each day until it's done. That's it. Just one thing.
It might be one phone call, one search for support groups, one text reaching out for help. You have to lay the foundation before anything else can be built. The house doesn't go from being on fire one day to painting the walls and hanging decorations the next. It's just one healthy step at a time until you get there, however many steps it takes. We all want it to take fewer steps to get back to the place where we are at home and feel safe again. No one can possibly know how many individual decisions and action points there are to get there. But I can tell you, making a healthy habit of being willing to do whatever the next action point is will be the first thing that actually gets you there. Setting impossible goals or creating false deadlines for yourself will only make the journey more painful. This doesn't mean that you shouldn't have ambitions or plans, but what's far more important is how you approach your life. A good life is made up of the decision to take action on what creates a good life each and every day. When I think back to the 100 book challenge, I can see that the goal I set for myself wasn't at all what I wanted. I simply did not want to read for the sake of reading, which is exactly what I ended up doing. What I actually wanted from the 100 book challenge was to read more consistently and to expand my repertoire outside of my norm. Think of how that year would have been different for me if I had actually asked myself what I wanted and done that instead. If I had actually pondered what a healthy approach would be. I could have only read what was enjoyable. I could have explored new authors in depth and maybe even dipped a toe into new genres. I could have incorporated more peace and joy into my life instead of making it another race. I challenge you to think about the goals you have in your life and question what it is that you really want for yourself deep down. What feels like rest for your soul? What feels like bringing deeper connection to yourself, to the divine, and to others? Are your actions lining up with these desires? We don't have to set goals in our healing to experience the change that we want. Today, we can take one more step down the road to wholeness, and that's all we can ever really do. Thank you for listening to the Louder Than Silence podcast. If you'd like more information about our organization, visit us at louderthansilence.org and sign up for our newsletter or follow us on Instagram at louderthansilence.org. If you like our work, please consider donating today. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast for the most current episodes. See you next month.